when you will not take care of the sin in your house, not only can I not trust you, but you are basically blocking God's ultimate blessing for the church. Yeah. When you don't do the right thing, they may not even know. Thanks for joining us again on Asking for Me during our series on church planting. Here is the second part of a conversation that I had with John and Julie, how to plant leadership, particularly those pastors on staff handle the conflict. And this is part two. So if you haven't heard part one yet, go ahead and listen to that for the background of the story. And this is uh, the second part of that conversation and some of the things that John and Julie have learned through the conflicts and the heartache of church ministry. Thanks for joining us. And we're watching. I mean, I had visions. God would give me downloads that that John would take to lead pastor. And he's like freaked out because there are things I shouldn't have known that the spirit was revealing to me about the lead pastor. And he was kind of freaked out about it. But he didn't do much uh, other than trying to look like the good guy. Yeah. The nice guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, but until so as some conversations expanded a little bit like the inadvertent eye contact well what was that about well that kind of got around to some people on the leadership team of oh and and their perception was well Dave was obviously had some kind of lustful interest or you know um, some type of attraction uh, to Julie that he was uncomfortable with and our therapist was saying that as well going well yeah that that seems pretty obvious and I as that conversation started happening with just a few people, Dave called me right away. So, you know, on other areas like, hey, we need to get a meeting set up with everyone involved. I wouldn't yeah. hear back from for a month. Yeah. But as soon as something like that, yeah. that might, <laughs> that might uh, jeopardize his reputation, he called yeah. me right away. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's what's going on. And and I had had personal conversations, one-on-one conversations with about 10 people about that specifically. And I wasn't coming from a from a place of, oh, I think that's what happened. But the more I talked to other individuals, they're like, yeah, it's probably wise not to be blind to that. And they thought that's what was happening. And so he asked me directly, boy, he was really worried about that. <laughs> He's like... Um, so were these people that I know? I said, yeah, Dave, you know, yes, they all know you. What, they, I said, Dave, some were on your original planting. Mm-hmm. And I, I was not giving names, right. only as a tit for tat, because when I asked Dave, who has been talking about Julie, that she's inauthentic? Because that is absurd. There's a lot that of other things absurd. they could say about me. Inauthentic is not one of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> You yeah. know, but Dave was, I, I'm picking that up from you. <laughs> but he, you know, he, he wasn't going to share any names with me. I'm like, well, but don't you think that's the right thing to do? If they were having some kind of issue that they would have come to Julie and said, you yeah. know what? Like with the covenant? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. exactly. Yeah. But, and, you know, and shortly thereafter, as I was still engaging with some people, Julie was, she she wasn't safe to, to be engaging with anyone really. And yeah. I still was. And I started, people started coming to me who had left K2. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I started hearing more stories that were quite a bit similar. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I'm like, wow. But most people just leave and they don't say anything. 
Yeah. And and they're they're never given an exit interview, if you will, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's I still feel like that becomes this self-confirming bias as well. It's like, why are people leaving? Well, they make up stories. Well, Julie was in sin or whatever. Well, or they're she, bitter, this and that. And it's like, no, that's not the story. Didn't you see? Because the I, I guess the weeks following when I didn't go back to church, yeah. people were coming up and finding out, you know, where's Julie? And so John would tell him and, and he would, they'd be so upset. They would go talk to yeah. the lead pastor, his wife. Right. Or so I guess there were enough people that did that, that people were going to John and going, well, where was all the support for Julie before? And he's like, you didn't look for support. You look for a reason to get rid of her. And and I guess the lead pastor had told John something like, well, God told me, God told me that this wasn't where Julie was supposed to be without having one conversation with her. Yeah. God just told you that this isn't where she's supposed to be. Even yeah. though you've told her in the past that this is where she's gifted, all of a sudden, God just told you without speaking to her at all. Yeah. That isn't where, where he's supposed to be. So I'm like, well, that's funny because the pastor that ended up having to leave because he had an affair, Dave had been in a, the lead pastor had been in a you know, accountability group with him for at least a year while this affair was going on, and he didn't know a thing about it. So I don't know if discernment is his greatest gift. So I don't know how accurate it was that he decided that God told him that I'm not supposed to be there when, what what's changed? I mean... I'm open to listen. If you, if you really feel like the spirit's told you something, then let's have a conversation. Let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and he should have been able to do that. To me, there's something there's something amiss inside of him internally that he couldn't sit down because of the relationship that we had. My whole thing, and, and this is the thing, like church plant or not, but especially with church plant, the people that come in, like a lot of times, like in a place like Salt Lake, People are going to be new to their faith. Something like this happens to them. It's going to make me cry all over again. Mm. This, people could walk away from Jesus altogether. Yeah. I have known from the beginning, this is not a God thing for me. No, I'm not comfortable in church. I'm just not. That hasn't changed the way I feel about God. We're not sure. Like even, even truth, even if the art circle said, you know what, Julie, you and I don't really get along very well. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to get off the team. That would have been hurtful, but not wounding, not yeah. damaging. And so I'm like, where is the accountability? When are we going to follow Jesus? Here's the leadership. You can't plant a church and then not follow Jesus. Uh, if you do, because we all screw up, where is the repentance? And where do you guys seem to just, I'm just going to excuse the fact that the Bible says for people who are Teachers of the law, you are held to a higher standard because of, of the influence that you have. I don't know how these pastors can just simply dismiss that. It makes me afraid. But I, I told the lead pastor everything. And I said, I am part of the body. And that makes me part of the bride. And what you've done is you have, you have soiled my gown and ripped my dress, and you have dismissed me, and Jesus would never have done that. So in all things, I I was completely honest. They even could say that the arts director said, I came to them with every, I honored that covenant, and not one of them did with me. So to me, if you can't be in leadership, I'm not saying 
perfection. But if you cannot follow through with the things that you have set up, you shouldn't be in leadership. If, if you can't speak the truth in love, if you can't do those things, you should not be part of a church plant. If you can't be a leader, it is a hard job. Not everyone is called to it. Don't step into those positions because not everyone can do it. And they have since gotten rid of the covenant. <laughs> yeah, after this whole incident, they decided to do away with the, the, the document you know, that we all signed about making a covenant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I think there yeah. was that type of transparency from the beginning. Yeah, I think early it was from the beginning. Yes. And it, like, yeah, like we said, 12 years later, it was gone. So yeah. maybe a boiled frog thing. I don't know. But it, yeah. but it was definitely the transparency was there from the beginning, which kept us there. And which, yeah, we would almost demand, I guess. We need transparency. First, I just want to say I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sorry. I, I know the pain personally. My uh, my own story, very similar types of things that have happened for me and my husband um, in our churches as well. So I, I certainly recognize your pain, and I do want to just say I'm, I'm really sorry for the way this has all played out. And I think part of my reason for doing this is because I I know that it's happening all over, and I know that there are people like us who are still, I mean, you said six years, we're still kind of reeling from this experience of what, how do, how do the people of God who mm. know and experience the Holy Spirit just go so far off the rails, right? Like how, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. We're still just trying to make sense of that. And so I really, really do appreciate both of you sharing your story and, and walking us through how these things happen. One of the things I wanted to ask you, uh, as as you've been, you, you you mentioned John that you met with the pastor for several weeks or a year, I think you said, mm-hmm. and try, just trying to make sense of it all, trying to ask for repentance, reconciliation, uh, confess, just confession, mm-hmm. owning what happened. At what point would you say you, you realized we're we're done here? We're just we're done with yeah so so julie knew right away she just knew you know it gets me off on epistemology it's like i've learned to trust her her intuition if you want to call it that she knew and she knew yeah so she knew she was not safe to go back um for me i i had to learn a lot of things because Mm -hmm. i was still probably a little bit indoctrinated into this um well you have to go to church you have to be part of the body you know all these the laws that you have to follow or you're not honoring god so we had a little bit of conflict there but not not a whole lot because i said well i'm going to i felt the um i felt well no i heard god's voice it's like john you need to just go hang out and have some conversations and the more conversations I had with people and they were almost all one-on-one because I you know I wasn't there to protest or whatever just and they would ask and I would and actually I would leave it up to the Holy Spirit at the time I'd say you know God if you want me to to enter this then you know it's like the old give me a sign kind of thing you know and the Mm -hmm. conversations would go that way and but the people who heard that they were shocked as you were on your face like what Julie, what are you talking about? And 
like Julie said, it's like some people are like, well, that doesn't sound like Dave. Like, like you know, mm -hmm. you won't do that. You must be lying, kind of thing. Either they, in yeah. one, um, but having those conversations was validating for me because I'm like, did you did you hear about this survey? Did, you know, and, and the more I found out, it was like, okay, so that's not really what happened. That you know, the story they they gave Julie was not the truth. It was not really what happened. But I still couldn't go back to Julie and say, not everybody uh, feels that way or, you know, they love you. They they love you leading worship. She didn't believe it. She couldn't believe it at the time, you know, and I didn't understand the full effects of trauma. I Over the next probably three or four years, I became, in my opinion, trauma informed where I was not before. I really just it was a matter of faithfulness for me to go back and then to start meeting with Dave. And it was just so slow that peeling the onion was just excruciating at times because yeah. Yeah. it would just one layer at a time. It just took so long, but it was about a year where I felt like, well, now at least I know I'm at a critical mass of knowledge of this is actually what happened. And Dave knew what happened. It was then a matter of, he confessed. He confessed to me. He confessed to Julie. Well, to, to some. Well, to some things, right. But at the same time, now I look back and I say, but he was also managing the messaging for sure. Controlling the narrative for sure. Controlling the narrative. And he was also saying things that I think he knew we wanted or needed to hear. Things like, I own this, you know. Yeah. I betrayed you. This was unloving. We betrayed you. Okay, you know, so you confess now fruits and keeping with repentance. What does that look like? So repentance means what do you, what actions are you going to take? What are you going to do for Julie? What are you going to say to Julie? And he was just paralyzed. He hardly did anything that, that we were needing him to do. Asked him directly. Asked him to directly to. Like, he did a couple things. Like he, Julia said, I just need you to sit down and listen and not talk, you know, and that happened. That, and happened. that was, the, that was about the only thing, everything that, else that we asked. That went on for two hours and his wife took notes. Yep. And it was, and that was actually really good. And then the other thing he did is he went to our therapist, um, <laughs> our trauma therapist, our trauma therapist, who is excellent by the way. And it was, I don't know, it was very interesting because her takeaway was kind of shocking to me, but also I knew she was right. She was basically like, look, okay, this really concerns me that he's leading a church of 1500. He has adopted a life strategy of avoidance. And she explained all that to me. I don't know. It was right around that time, probably after a year where I had said, okay, I think this is it. Um, as far as going to church there, as far as the relationship, we kept on talking until several months after that when we were at a at a party for someone else who had gone to the church and Dave was started to love bomb me and he's very uncomfortable around me for sure and then he texted me after that and copied one of the board members on the text and it was just about you know wish the best for you and you know if if, if your son wants to play football like you I hope the best for him and all this stuff and I'm like at that point I had finally switched to being able to recognize the bullshit, 
And it's like, and that's when I actually texted him back and said, you know, that wasn't that, that wasn't it. Well, you tell him that. Well, no, because we kept asking very specific things for him to do. No more meeting day because he keep, I told him, I said, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I told him, I keep waiting for you to do the right thing and you're not doing it. So we kept asking specific things. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He said, okay, Dave, you need to, every time that you contact me, you need to include Julie. He wouldn't do that. We said, no more meetings. You need to um, write something out. If you, you know, because nothing's happening with the meetings. It's just, it's making me like physically ill. So if you can write out, if you think that you can understand how Julie feels in all of this. So instead he went, he was on sabbatical and he and his wife went to go see Gary Smalley. Gary Smalley. One-on-one. And asked for, asked for, yeah, time about alone. us. And went and talked about our situation and came back and said, oh, well, he said that only 10% of language is, is words, you know, is, is, yeah, is written words. So I, I don't, I'm not going to write a letter and all of this. So everything that we asked, he wouldn't do. He, he always knew do. better. He wouldn't do. So we can just kind of like pat on the head. Well, thanks for the suggestion, but yeah. I'm going to do it this way. Here's the right way to do it. So it was and a- so instead of writing you, we need to sit down. Yeah. Very small. <laughs> So we finally just said, we basically did like a soft cease and desist. And and we just said, it's very disappointing that you cannot do what we've asked you to do. You know, we have done everything that God has asked us to do. And now we are going to leave you with your church. If ever in the future, you have, you know, the the compulsion to write a letter. Like we asked. We would, you know, we would receive that. But and that uh, offer stands to this day. Yeah, but as opposed to that, please do not reach out to us anymore. And the hard part to me in in parallel with that was like our oldest son was a, a youth leader, big time. He was like the guy, and he was actually besties with Dave and Susie's daughter. So it became really hard. Like we we were really struggling, and he kept he wanted to keep going to to church, so he did. And we said, we don't want to, we don't want to persuade you or influence you either way, because that's the only church he's ever known. He grew up in leadership there. He was, and so that was really hard. He finally ended up one Sunday on his own. Well, so he knew that. He didn't know everything. He didn't know everything. You know, what he did know was that Rutt had really. The art director. The art director had really violated Julie part of the we were told accountability is happening with him because the truth came out that he had been deceiving everyone for over a year and it seems to me but but they would not tell me what that accountability is what it looks like anything like that that's a private matter i'm like well it affects my wife more than it does him but okay you're not going to tell us got it it seems to me like the accountability action was to have him have mike (laughs) Uh, the arts director deliver a message on Sunday about what was it? The Con- power of reconciliation. The power of reconciliation. But he refused so to this, meet. This is a guy. <laughs> and so, yeah. So our <laughs> our son, who was what still in high school at the time, you know, our son was so disgusted he walked out and never went back. He's <laughs> like, so, and I probably wow. don't need to get into it so much, but I I can't even it. I probably lose it because the amount of much this has done to our family, like 2017 was a year from hell for us. The fallout is a whole nother story, but it's, 
the damage it's done, I just don't think people, unless you live through it, I I don't think you understand. It, it's it's like, it's like it's it's too much. It's too much. It is. It is. Well, I, and it's really hard to think that you don't want to say that church will never or can never be the same, but I don't know if it would be possible for it to ever be the same. I don't know if I could ever lead worship again. It's been really contaminated and it's it was such a sacred thing and really the way that God created me to commune with him. And no, that's not, I mean, yes, I can do that privately and everything, but yeah, when when man terminates the way that God has created you to express and your your gifts that, that God's given you, it's really, really hard. Trust, I mean, relationships, I mean, I probably have, I think I counted, I mean, I probably have a hundred people face from that church blocked on Facebook because it's too triggering for me. I don't want to see what's going on with them and the hurt and the betrayal that all of them walked away. People that have known me know that they didn't reach out, but I'm like, I don't, I can't allow them to have access to me. Yeah. It was just too, it's just too damaging. And, um, you know, I, and I don't, and, and then you, you know, there's just so many, I mean, this is where Satan is. He's loving it. Yeah, because this kind of things, when there is not truth, when there is not integrity, and all of those things, this is where his divisiveness flourishes. Yeah. Because there are broken relationships now that I don't see people. The people in this scenario, I was honest with everybody. They didn't like my honesty, but I was. But everybody else. They've just walked away. And, and you know, Satan uses that to tell me lies too, that I, you know, I'm going to have to come back forever, forever. But Satan knows where to, where to get you. Yeah. But all those broken relationships, I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yes, church is messy. We're broken people. Everyone is broken. But that's why we have to be authentic and real about our brokenness. And we're supposed to be there to encourage and support and lift up. And what's happening in these things is tearing down. And the opposite, no wonder people are leaving the church. No wonder. And I mean, like you said, you know, and, and the pain is real and it's deep and it's, it, it's just, it affects it affects you. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, I think, how am I going to be in heaven with these people? Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, that's, that's my human, my humanness. Like they, they'd walk, they'd see me and they'd walk 200 feet away from me. Like, like some of our kids went to the same school. Like I had leprosy and I'm like, and I'm supposed to spend eternity with them. I don't know. I don't even know how to, how to embrace that in my head. Yeah. So. Yeah. Our our therapist used the term soul annihilating and that kind of resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, this, this is soul annihilating. The, the, the impact uh, of all of this, 
it's really what we're seeing across the country. I mean, it's across mm. denominations. It's across ethnicity. I mean, every border, it's, it's happening to the American church in ways that we haven't seen in our lifetime, I think. And I believe yeah, it is absolutely spiritual warfare and it's absolutely Satan having his day and causing this division. But I also have to believe that it's a movement of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe that what we're entering into now in the church is this new era of, of, I mean, much of what you were just getting at, Julie, like this new era of real transparency and and honesty with each other in ways that we really haven't seen ever. I, I would argue in American church history. Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, mm-hmm. which is, you know, this big, huge bird's eye view of church history, but like I would argue that what we're seeing now is this call to to truth and honesty in ways that we haven't seen before. Yes. And that scares Satan. Mm-hmm. Oh, heck it yeah. It scares mm-hmm. Satan. And so he has mobilized his troops to get at those of us who are calling for that mm-hmm. and who are calling for a new kind of authentic experience within our churches that allows for us to to get into these heavy difficult conflicts but with transparency and truth not this like quick um kind of let let's just move past this or everyone just forgive each other or let's just silence these people because they're troublemakers you know that that's kind of how the church has operated for so long and and people like you all are are pushing those those boundaries in ways that that are really uncomfortable. So um, one of the first things yeah. I saw and and communicated early on was wow, there's something wrong with the and I call it the environment, but it's yeah, it's like the underlying foundation, the yeah. structure of, of, of this whole this whole relationship. Yeah. And one of the things I saw was I called it a, a mental map or your cognitive map. I'm like. Because what we were asked to do right away, oh, the covenant requires us. I'm talking week one, okay? Mm-hmm. The covenant requires us to forgive each other. We were told by Dave, you, you have to forgive me. Yeah. That didn't quite sit. I, not that that's not true, um, but now is not the time. <laughs> right, right. And, the, and it's not, and, and to me, it's spiritual bypassing. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. let's just bypass the hard stuff. Let's not feel any lament or you know, it, it becomes too much akin to toxic positivity, I guess. It, it's like, well, no, we need to hurt, to cry with each other. You know, we need to lament. But also in in repenting, whether it's me or you, it you need to sit with that. And the times for me where I felt like, wow, Jesus met me in these dark caves during this process of um, just sit, just sit and, and hurt. And I am here. I am here, you know, experiencing the same thing. I'm hurting too, but I'm with you. I'm right here. 
that's i don't know for me that's when i realized oh man i i was sucked into this cognitive map this whole process of avoid those negative feelings right let's do what we need to do to fix this right away and that means oh there's a there's a prescribed method for that right it's just forgive and i say i forgive you and then we move on it's like no that to me it was really clear following jesus he's he's telling me that's not the way so i needed to sit in pain with my wife that i probably hadn't done before and it's excruciating but at the same time i'm like oh wow and now i started getting re-educated on let me take another hard look at forgiveness what you know theologically you know scripturally but relationally and I, I felt like a lot of my understanding was enhanced, but a lot of my positions had changed as well. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, man. And now I see a lot of things for what they are when I couldn't see it before. Yeah. Oh, you want me to forgive so that it absolves you. But wait a minute. You yeah. know, <laughs> and why do we put why do we always blame the victim, too? It's like, yeah. Or put the pressure on, oh, well, you need to do this. Well, you just need to forgive. You just need to come. Julie, you need to come back because people love you. And it's like, no, well, I have you to need say, to how do. Can they, how can they ask for, you know, how can they repair a relationship with you because you left the church? Yeah. So the onus is on me. Yeah. Like they can't. Yeah. But my whole thing in, in this. We're all about emulating Christ, right? That's what the church is supposed to be. When I look at God's example, he didn't just dole out forgiveness. There was confession and repentance that took place prior to. And what a lot of these, what we're seeing leaders all over, oh, well, you have to give, yeah, we all mess up. No, but there's no, there's no contriteness in your heart. Yeah. So you're missing the biggest step. There's no 180 turning from your waist. Now you're putting the onus on the victim to go, oh, well, I forgive you. And you're not doing the heart work. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There's not the repentance. There's not the humility. And, and so we're in the position that we're in. And that's why I keep saying it's not the sin that's going to destroy the church. It's the lack of repentance. The church we went to, I mean, it is dwindling down to almost nothing. That's what God showed me. I don't know. I mean, I... Yeah. I I don't know what their future holds, but um, yeah, I did want to ask you what what the state was now, and if is that staff member still there, the the art director? Yeah, 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 yeah. That to me is the most telling part of a lot of these stories is who who's still there when the smoke yeah. clears. Right. You know, he confessed to lying, to manipulating, to going behind your back, to gossiping slandering i mean the list goes on and he's still there yeah yeah and for me it's like whose sins are we addressing first right like Mm -hmm. whose whose sins do we address first and and most intensely and why is it not the leadership right right why why is it not from the lead pastor down because to me to me that's 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 one of the main uh failures of of a lot of these churches is that you know we hold we hold people accountable but it's always we hold some people a little bit more accountable (laughs) right um and and like one one of the questions I've been trying to answer for for myself is uh like how many lies are okay like how Mm -hmm. how many times can someone lie and -hmm. get away with it and is one lie enough to say, wait a minute, you know, we we need to back up 
and we need to address this one lie. Mm. We don't even like calling it lying. Like, right? Obviously, like, but like the, what the staff mis- misrepresenting the facts. Misrepresenting the facts. <laughs> That's right. He just represented the facts. That's right. Intentional, but okay. Right, right, right. right. So first, we don't even have a good definition of what lying is, and then, and then, secondly, like, how do we really get at this this idea that here is this leader who's supposed to be this the spiritual shepherd of the sheep and has admitted to lying, and we do nothing, right? Like, we just kind of slap him on the wrist, like, okay, let's just move on. So yeah, um, there's just so many things about that to me that gets at. What you you were both saying, um, Julie, you said so so well before, like this uh, this lack of authenticity, like who who's really the ones who are being authentic about what's happened, mm. and then uh, you know, is it okay that these people have have kept lying about a situation or just presenting this narrative that makes them look better than you? I mean, in my mind a spiritually mature leader will never tell a narrative that makes everybody else look bad. Like that's, that's not what you do. Um, well, we were told we, we well, yeah. I don't know how we found out. Someone was asking, um, Hey, why, why are the Russell's gone? And this is just a couple of years ago. And they were told by this pastor that, well, you know, what do he say? We had a disagreement. Mm-hmm. Had a disagreement. I'm like, yeah. That's the way you summarize this whole yeah. thing, a disagreement. What did we disagree about? This wasn't yeah. a disagreement. We disagreed the fact that he sinned and he blamed it on us. You're right. 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 That's we, right. we disagreed with that. Well, I think we had the same kind of things or, you know, realizations that you're talking about is, oh, this just wasn't our story or this just wasn't happening yeah. to us. It's the more... The more we heard and got connected with, oh man, this is happening everywhere. And so this is something it feels like God is doing, and yeah. you know, on a greater scale. But to be honest, we're still a little bit like spiritual orphans. We're like, we go to a liturgical church or service now, and it's like, oh, that's kind of a beautiful thing for us because it's not about, you know, the the personality. Yeah, um, it's it, it's Let's about Jesus. It's yeah. about the sacraments. Yeah, there's no superstars. There's no like uh, performative, at least from our experience. It, so that's history. refreshing. But, mean, at, but at the same time, we're still like, what do we do? I mean, yeah. how can we trust the body again? And it's just hard. It's just really tough. Yeah. Well, you're not alone in that for sure. Like you're saying, there there are many, many of us in this weird space now where we've we've devoted our lives to the church and to mm-hmm. to the work of Jesus and the kingdom and we're finding ourselves in these weird spaces now and yeah i i would just want to encourage you both i i love liturgy i love more liturgical churches it's something that i've come to later in life too like and i see the beauty in it because it is yeah. so um rooted and sim- simple in some ways that I think it's been it's been great for me, but yeah. Uh, oh goodness, we could probably talk for another two hours, um, <laughs> but I won't, and and I I won't make you guys, and and we just have a few minutes left here. I normally would ask like, what's one thing that you want to leave with? But I, I feel like that's such a hard question because there's mm-hmm. so much, there's so much. We we learn through these these experiences. We hope we we all learn more of Jesus, and you both have said as much uh, that we, that we learn more about how does Jesus handle 
these kinds of deeply uh, emotional and and hurtful situations with other people. And I, I'd, I'd like, uh, what what is something maybe that you both have experienced in five minutes or less? <laughs> what What's something that, that you've experienced personally uh, through all of this? Well, for, for me, this was an opportunity for me to, I, 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 like I said before, become trauma-informed, but it's a way yeah. of, yeah. I did not, I really didn't understand my wife. I didn't understand what mm-hmm. the effects of the, the complex PTSD from childhood, how, so I, be, it was a chance to get both educated a bit on how the body keeps the score and yeah, yeah. Um, how her experiences, like her experience in this was also absorbs her past into the same moment as if it's all happening right now. Yeah. And so it's allowed me and, and in that, in that, well, so <laughs> without going too deep, I, like I said, Jesus met me in this dark cave is my imagery, but there's also, he also gave me an image, a vision, honestly, a vision of, of Julie when she was a child and in the moment that she was abused. Um, and I felt like God was you know, holding me there to allow me to feel that, what, yeah what it was like and so that opened up my ability to I think empathize with her uh, in ways that hadn't happened before Um, but also taught me about you know the sacred heart of Jesus and you know um, what he feels towards us and how he (laughs) how he truly can empathize with us but um, I, and that's that's enough for me. That that was enough. That's awesome, John. Thank you. It's beautiful. And I'll just end with this. My biggest thing is I don't. It you know having abuse in my past and then this you know it's really hard to trust people, and so I don't know in terms of you know running into these people. I don't know how to engage and interact with them now without feeling like I am saying that it's okay what she did when there's been no repentance and reconciliation I don't know where to go with that so God's still gotta gotta teach me and work on my heart with that and I really gotta be open because it's really easy for me to just go so there's stuff even with this that I gotta learn and work on wish didn't have to happen this way wish I could learn it another way but yeah well, when you figure all that out, let me know, and mm-hmm. we'll have another podcast so you could teach me how to do that as well. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'm working on that too. Yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely not. Never been not a strength for me right now. I just I don't know. I I just I'm like, uh. yeah, yeah. Uh, I often say I I have a really hard t- time pretending. Like I'm I'm not an actor. And uh, it's hard for me to to pretend when things are are not going well. And that's a strength and a weakness, right? Like it's yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to trying to figure that one out. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, thank you. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, thank you so much for for sharing all of all of what you shared. Um, and I am 
so honored to to carry people's stories like yours and i appreciate you taking the time to do this to help all of us kind of process what we're experiencing and it means a lot to me personally and i know to the many people who will hear this so thank you so much thank you and yeah. i i just want to say i'm sorry about your i, I don't i don't know your story but i i felt you when you talked about it that yeah, we, we kind of understand, and I'm sorry for what happened yeah. to you. Thank thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for honoring our story. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.